It's amazing to me how many people desire to grow in their walk with God, regardless of where they are in the journey. So they ask for more faith. Many people pray for it. Other people say, if I come to church, maybe I'll just serendipitously get it. However, the scripture is very clear about how we get more faith. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God as Romans chapter 10 verse 17 reminds us. So our prayer for you as you hear this message is that your faith would go from where it is to where God intends it to be. Grow as you hear this word. Lately, we've been taking a little time to just pray, to reflect on what we're hearing, what we're experiencing in moments like this, sacred moments, quiet moments. So I just want to give you a few minutes lift your adoration of God, to lift your requests to God, to lay your burdens at his feet, not so that you can get relief in the moment, but so that you can get relief permanently. God's powerful and things that seem insurmountable to you are just small things to him I don't mean any disrespect I'm not saying that your troubles aren't big I'm saying that your troubles are not too big for God I'm not saying that your trial is not hard because I got some hard ones too but what I am saying is your trial is not too hard for God so let's talk to him for a little bit
Father, hear the cries of your children today. This isn't just a moment that looks good in church. This is a moment of desperation. God, we have needs that we've tried to fulfill on our own. And it just doesn't work. So we're asking you to lift heavy burdens in this room. To allow the joy of the Lord to really make us strong. To heal marriages where couples are just looking at one another and not loving one another. Where they become good parents but not good partners. Protect children who go to school and are introduced to vile things. And it's disguised as cool. It's disguised as maturity. And it's evil. I pray over the identity of your people. That our identity would be rooted and grounded in Jesus. Not the things that we've done, the things that we've said, the neighborhood we come from, the history that we have, the lineage that we came down through, the job that we have, the title we have, the role that we play. May these things not define us, Lord. But may the blood that you see when you look at us be what we find our identity in our peace in, our triumph in. We rededicate our lives to you even in this moment. We surrender ourselves to you even in this moment. And we confess that our way really doesn't work. And as much as we want to cling to our pride, we say to you, God, that we give it up. And we welcome you into situations that we just can't fix. And we humbly say before you, Lord, help me. Help me. Help my spouse. Help my children. Help my parents. Help my friends. Help my leaders. Help my bosses. Help my colleagues, help my students, help my pastor, help me. Help me. We confess that we can't do it without you. We're broken. Life is heavy. We're grieving. to you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you, worship team, for leading us. Thank you, Lord, for leading us, for meeting us in this moment. All right. Let's open our Bibles. Let's hear from God through his word. Ephesians chapter 6. hearing pages turn in Bibles in an age where phones have kind of taken over. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 through verse 20. Finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces and evil of evil, pardon, in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind be alert and always keep on praying for all the lord's people pray also for me that whenever i speak words may be given me so that i will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which i am an ambassador in chains pray that i may declare it fearlessly as i should let's pray one more time real quick Father, thank you for speaking to us through your word. We ask now, Lord, that you would open our hearts, open our ears. Let he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is speaking to the church. We say now, Lord, speak, for we, your servants, are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm not going to waste too much time. I'm going to get into it. I want to start by saying I'm your sister and I love you. I want you to remember that. These are not my words. This is the word of God. I am your sister. I love you. Y'all believe me? Okay, cool. So, there is a scripture in the Bible, 2 Corinthians 5.17, that says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation or a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. It sounds very refreshing, doesn't it? I like new stuff. I also like fresh starts because I make a lot of mistakes. I mess up a whole lot. 
So that whole thing about, you know, new mercies every day, I really lean into that because I need it. Let's just be real. But one thing about becoming a new creation is that it makes you a target. Being a new creation enlists you in God's army. And I know we don't necessarily sign papers in all the cases. Some of you may have a certificate of baptism, or you may have something that says that you joined a church or that you gave your life to Jesus. But in most cases, we don't really sign on the dotted line. But when we accept Jesus, that's what we're saying. It's saying, I am an official soldier in the army of the Lord. That's what it says. And it sounds real cool, right? Like, I got three older brothers. They're all military veterans. It sounds real cool when your Uncle Sam needs you, right? Like, all that stuff is real cool, and it sounds really good, and you feel really strong, and you're proud, and you're ready to fight. And sometimes the recruiter might have said some really cool things about the education and the skills that you'll gain and all these things, but sometimes there are some things they don't tell you. But lucky for you, in the army of the Lord, you've got a lot of resources. So let's look at our first resource, the Word of God. It gives us a lot of insight, and we are going to bask in that today. So let's start off in verse 10. We're being admonished here to be strong in the Lord, right? We're soldiers in the army. We got to be strong. But it says to be strong in the Lord, not yourself, but in his mighty power, in him. So we got to first understand, like, the commanding chief, Jesus, the Lord. We always have to keep that in mind. All right. So it says put on the full armor of God. When you're a soldier, you got a uniform, you got armor that's, that you're going to use in battle. We're in battle. I know it doesn't look like it. We don't have bombs going off. You don't have missiles coming at your head, like physically. But we are in battle. Do y'all believe that? Okay. So, verse 11 says, we got to put on the full armor of God so that we can actually take our stand against the devil's schemes. Can you guess who we're fighting? The devil, thank you. I love interaction like that just for people who might be too nervous to say. Our enemy is the devil. That's who we're fighting. I know sometimes you think it's people. It's not. It's not. You're putting on the full armor of God because when you're in his army, you're fighting against your adversary, the devil, who really does want to kill you. That's really his goal. So we're fighting against the enemy, the devil, and we want to be able to stand against his schemes. This is important to note that Satan is a liar and he is referenced in scripture as the father of lies. He created the lie and he's really good at it. Let me just say he's very skilled at lying. He knows how to make lies sound like truth. The Bible even says that he disguises himself as an angel of light. He is the evil one, the father of lies, but he knows how to show up as something beautiful. So, you know, we kind of have images in our minds. When we hear the word devil, you think red, horns, a tail, a pitchfork, all that stuff. You should think that cute dude. You should think an amazing job. 
you should think of sweet little babies. You should not think that the enemy will actually look like an enemy. The Bible says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. I'm not fighting you because I'm your sister and I love you. I'm not fighting you. Even when I'm angry at you, I'm not fighting you. Even when we disagree, I'm not fighting you. The Bible says our struggle, those of us in the army of the Lord, the believer, our struggle is, against, is not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world. It don't look dark down here, but it is. And against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. When people think of heavenly realms, they're thinking good things, but there are evil things happening in heavenly realms as well. How do we know? Because the Bible tells us, and it's truth. So how do we actually fight against all of these things that are going on? The word of God tells us to put on the full armor of God so that when the evil comes, not if, not just in case, when the evil comes, you can expect it. You should not be surprised by it. When the evil comes, you want to make sure you have on the full armor of God so that you can stand your ground. And it says, and after you've done everything, to stand. I sometimes say that when you see me wear these boots, it's because I'm fighting. The Lord has been talking to me about this all week. So I know that it's for somebody. And there is a war against you. And it's very serious. And you might not even know that it exists. So things like this, the armor of God, this is a familiar passage of scripture. People talk about it in churches and stuff, and we've heard about it. But are we really putting on the full armor of God when we leave the house? If you're not, I implore you, my brother, my sister, whom I love, to do what the word of the Lord says daily. Let's talk about why this is important. First up, stand firm, verse 14. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Let me tell you something about this belt of truth. It protects the growing, really, but ultimately, it's more of a display of rank than actual armor. When it comes to rank, there are different belts. They have like these sashes, like an old, and I'm thinking like old school Roman soldier. So when I'm, when I'm giving you these descriptions, we're kind of going back old school, right? So when they would have these belts, sometimes they would have like the tassels on them. And sometimes the more you have, that means the higher rank you have. Here's what we ought to know and how we can apply this very thing to our lives. Y'all remember the devil is a liar, the father of lies, right? So he's going to come against you with what? Lies. How do you fight a lie? With the truth. So you got your belt on, and you can kind of throw your weight around. Because this belt of truth is a display that you have authority. You have rank. And you need to remember this because how many know that when somebody lies to you, 
It makes you feel bad. And when somebody lies to you and you think it's the truth, it can really lead you down a very, very, very dangerous path. So if you have the belt of truth buckled around your waist, you can stand firm and say, yo, I got authority. I know what the truth is. You can't fool me with a lie. You need to have this on because Satan, and we talked about this recently, he was even so audacious as to tempt Jesus himself with lies. And how did Jesus combat him? With the word of God, with the truth. Satan couldn't trick Jesus with a lie because Jesus knew the truth. You need to know the truth as well, and you need to use it. Because when you have rank, when you have high honor, you give orders. When you have rank, when you have high honor, you lead. You don't back down. You don't fold easily. So that's why you need that belt of truth. Because sometimes what you wear reminds you of who you are. And if you're wearing truth as your rank, that's going to help you walk in your authority. The belt of truth ought to make you feel confident. Confident enough to stand firm. What's next? The, blessed, the breastplate of righteousness should be in place. Of course, very obviously, right, if you have a breastplate on, it's to protect your vital organs. And so with ancient culture, there's usually like an inner layer made of like leather, some type of strong uh, linen, and then there's an outer layer made of metal, like bronze, or, and sometimes it's like a, just a really fortified linen as well. It's usually about 15 to 30 pounds, so this breastplate is thick. It's heavy. It's meant to protect the most vital organs that you have. When it comes down to it, the heart is like the main organ that we think about when it comes to the thing that if it's attacked, it can end our lives. Now we're talking spiritual here. And the Bible in Jeremiah 17, 9 says that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So you know Satan would love to attach with that whole deceptive heart thing to deceive you. Because the devil is a liar. He's the father of lies, right? So if he's going to attack you with lies, you got your truth. You need to be able to protect those vital organs. You must. Because if not... It's very possible that you won't even live to be able to produce fruit. You must have your identity rooted in Christ so that you're assured of your righteousness through him because the enemy wants to confuse you about who you are, about your ability, and sometimes even your deservingness to live. That's very, very serious. Some of us, the enemy has made us think that we don't even have the right to live. So you got to have your breastplate on. You have to protect your heart. You have to protect those vital organs. Those are the things keeping you alive. And let's just be real, y'all. The enemy wants you dead. And that's not an exaggeration. He does not like the purposes of God being carried out. You, my brothers and sisters are soldiers in the army of the Lord. So what are you doing? You're carrying out the orders of the chief commander. Satan does not like that. So you must protect yourself because if not, he's going to hit you where it hurts.
I want to read Romans to you. Let's go to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. Here's why you need the breastplate of righteousness. It validates you in Christ. It justifies you, even in the face of your sins and failures. How do we know? Because the word of God says so. Romans 3, verse 21 says, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. I want to say that again. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Satan is going to try to accuse you with the ways in which you have fallen. Let me help you. Everybody's done it. So if he's coming at you with that, that shouldn't necessarily be a thing that makes you fall back. Because remember, we're trying to stand firm against the devil's schemes. So here we are. Verse 24 says, well, let's go back to 23 because I want y'all to hear it again. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. And he did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. You need to be reminded that you're righteous. Not because you do good things. Because the Bible says that even those good things that you do are like filthy rags to God. You need to know that you are righteous through Christ. Because Satan is going to tell you that you're not. And he's a father and the father of lies. So how do you stand against him? You don't let him get you with that stuff. Satan cannot tell me that I'm not righteous. He's tried. And I used to let him, I used to let him win a lot. But the more rooted I became in the word of God, the more I learned about what God did and what he accomplished on my behalf, he can't trick me with that stuff anymore. You got to come with something else. We have the breastplate of righteousness to protect these vital organs because honestly, we can't protect them ourselves. You need the breastplate of righteousness and you need to know that you're righteous. What's up next? Feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now, back in the day, sometimes they would have like these greaves or shin guards. This is not necessarily what we're talking about here. We're talking about the shoes that they wore. The original Jesus sandals, right? They're very strappy, leather. They have like these, um, these soles that are like, hob, what do they call them? Hobnailed. So they've got nails in the bottom. This pretty much makes them last longer. The beauty of this these heavy-duty, super-thick military shoes is that they're durable, they're breathable, and they're comfortable for like those long marches that they do. Sometimes they're worn with like socks for a little bit extra cushion and comfort, especially in warmth when it's cold. 
Let's talk about peace. When you think about peace being at your feet, generally the way that your posture is and sometimes some of the critical things about your physical health are rooted in your feet. Now I'm slew-footed. Everybody in my family is. We walk like this. Feet out. My brother almost didn't get accepted into the Army because of that. Because even our military knows that if your feet ain't right, you cannot stand. And you cannot stand for long periods of time. And you cannot stand well. And the way you walk might be sideways. And we can't have that on the battlefield. So these shoes that are fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, when we think peace, peace should give you endurance. You can handle a lot more when you're at peace than you can when you're stressed. Have you ever had like those really good days? Like really good day, nothing can upset you on these days. You are more inclined to be kind on these days. You are more inclined to be able to take a few hits, even if somebody says something nasty to you. It's really not that deep because you're having a good day. When your feet are fitted with the gospel of peace like that, it makes you ready for war. When I'm at peace, I'm ready. If you got something to throw at me, trust me, I'm ready. I can stand, and you cannot shake me when I have peace. If you do not have peace, my brother, my sister, whom I love, you won't be able to stand because you're going to be distracted. You're going to be distracted. Here's something I want to read for your hearing, Isaiah 52 and 7. You can just write this one down if you want. But it talks about how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. If I don't have peace, I'm not thinking about God reigning. I need help. I need something to shake now. If I'm not at peace, I'm not thinking about doing anything for God. I don't care nothing about nobody's good news. I don't want to hear it. I don't. But when I have peace, I can rejoice. And I can also carry out something. Those beautiful feet, messengers in the Old Testament would take messages up a mountain to give to a ruler or whomever. And they, they, they might report on how a war is going. If a war is going on and we got a battle, we just won one, they're running up there. Those rulers, they like that good news. You, as a soldier in the army of the Lord, have to be ready to carry good news all the time. People are dying, and they don't know Jesus. People are dying, and their end is complete demise and separation from God. And they know you. And you cannot even preach the gospel to them because you are at war within your own soul. You don't even have peace about the things of God. But you say, you come up in here and you sing and you lift your hands and you pray and you cry and you do all of these things. But you are not allowing God to give you the peace that makes you ready for war. If you are not ready for war, my friend, you will not be able to stand against the schemes of the devil because he is the author of confusion. 
And if you do not have peace, if you are not ready to stand against him, he will have you falling all over the place. You want to be ready. Nahum chapter 1 verse 15 also says, Look there on the mountains, the feet of the one who brings good news, who proclaims peace. Celebrate your festivals, Judah, and fulfill your vows. No more will the wicked invade you. They will be completely destroyed. Because of Jesus Christ, you don't have to be destroyed by the enemy. You carry good news every day. You and me, those who proclaim the name of Jesus, you carry good news. Do people know it? Do the people in your life look at you and see, I want to really know what you got going on, that God that you say you serve. I mean, you're frazzled, you're all over the place. You're not at peace. What kind of witness is that giving to people in your life? How are you standing against the devil's schemes? Be at peace, my brothers and sisters. You have a God who has already given you peace. He's actually called the God of peace. And he has even said in scripture, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives. You don't have to worry about the world messing you up because it will. Y'all know that, right? We are in a mental health crisis in our nation. Your mind can easily be gone. But because of Jesus Christ, you have access to peace. Take advantage. It may not seem like it's a weapon. It may not seem like it's shielding you like it's armor, but it is the shoes that you need in order to be able to stand and fight and be ready has everything to do with you being at peace. That's the word of God. Next up, shield of faith. And the Bible says that with the shield of faith, you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Flaming arrows in battle used to be used to make things catch on fire and also to destroy people, kill them, right? Can you imagine if I don't have a shield of faith keeping those darts from creating fires all around me? I could be left defenseless. If a flaming arrow lands here right next to me, I'm going to focus on, oh my goodness, how can I put this fire out? Or I might say, oh my goodness, let me run. But if I'm not on my post, that leaves me vulnerable to attack. If there are fires happening all around me, all these different things in different areas of my life, and I'm trying to attend to them, I'm not ready for battle. So you need the shield of faith to extinguish those flaming arrows from Satan that are coming at you because he wants you dead. But if he can't kill you, he wants to distract you, take you off your square, put you in vulnerable places. You need to avoid that. Flaming arrows are meant to kill and damage areas around you to throw you off and make you vulnerable. You gotta be able to extinguish the dart so you can keep your focus. 
You don't want soldiers fighting for you who are not focused. That's easy defeat. So you yourself cannot be a soldier in this army and be distracted and off focus, easy target. And there's already a target on your back. You need to be able to stand. Hebrews 11 should always stay in your back pocket when it comes to anything related to faith in the Bible. But here's one thing that I like about Hebrews 11, verses 32 through 34. Here's what the shield of faith can do for you. Now, after the scripture has just described all of these amazing folks from like the Old Testament who had faith and a lot of things, a lot of great things happened for them. This is what the Bible says. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. All of that was done by faith. If you think that you're going to be out here having a battle spiritually and you don't have the shield of faith protecting you from all those fiery darts, from all those flaming arrows coming at you, trust me, defeat is your end. It just is, y'all. These pieces of armor, we read them and they sound real good, but we have to really apply these things in our lives because the devil is a liar and the father of lies. So if you really don't trust God, it's very likely that you will not be able to stand against the devil. The Bible says this about faith, that without faith it's impossible to please God. He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Listen, if you really don't believe God and you say you do, when the evil comes, when the testing comes, you will fall. You will crumble. And then you'll get mad at God because he didn't come through for you. But the reality is you didn't believe him in the first place. You didn't believe him in the first place. And that's not on him. That's on you. And the enemy hates you, I promise. It don't seem like he does, but he hates you. And he will do everything that he can to make you vulnerable to his attacks so that you will crumble and not be effective for the kingdom of God. Your faith is important. There's a whole chapter in the Bible that focuses on faith in and of itself. And of course, that's not the only place in the Bible where we talk about faith. You better suit up. You better suit up. The purpose of these scriptures that we're going through, Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, are so that you can stand. You got to put the stuff on, though. If it's just sitting there in the Bible, it's not going to help you. That's why I'm telling you practical ways, what it kind of looks like for you to put this stuff on. Because I've been a Christian most of my life, and I've lost a lot of spiritual battles because I didn't put on the full armor of God and because I was in churches that didn't teach me how to do it. That's not your story. I'm telling you now. Put it on. Don't just let it stay in the book. Suit up. 
because the evil day is coming. It's really already here. It's really already here. But you can stand against it if you put on the armor. It doesn't just say look at the armor. Put it on. What's the use of fighting a battle and having weapons at your ready fingertips and not using it? In what world does that make sense? Not this one. Put on your armor, my brothers and sisters, whom I love. The helmet of salvation. Back in the day, they would have like these bronze helmets, and sometimes they would cover the face, they'd cover the head, sometimes they'd have cheek guards, sometimes they'd have a neck guard. All these things to make sure that the head can endure a tough blow. If you're like me, the devil has tried to get in your mind probably most of your life. The one thing that protects us, protects our minds, protects us from taking those hard blows to the head is merely our salvation. Mental toughness is a thing in the world now, and it's important. But you cannot have mental toughness the way you need to have it against Satan. Because again, he is a liar and the father of lies. I'm saying this because I want you to remember this. And I know repetition helps. The enemy attacks with lies. If he can get into your mind, lie to you and make you believe it. And trust me, he can make you believe it. You will not be able to stand against him. The one thing that should help you to renew your mind is your salvation in Christ. You are eternally secured, my friend. And if Satan can't kill you, like I told you, because he wants to do that. But if he can't kill you, he wants to distract you. He wants to keep you ineffective. Ineffective or just not doing anything at all. And he can do that if he gets in your head. But if you don't remember your identity in Christ, you will not be able to stand against him. You will not be able to stand against him. You think you're strong. I know you do. You're not that strong. Ephesians 2 should encourage you. Ephesians chapter 2, I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. You should probably keep this in your back pocket as well. Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 10, write it down. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you follow the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. That's talking about Satan. All of us who lived among them at one time, I'm sorry, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh. Were y'all doing that? I was. And following its desires and thoughts. Were y'all doing that? I was. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I came out of the womb a sinner. Now, God is faithful, right? Like, there's an age of accountability. But to a degree, when we're very young, we know right from wrong. My mother told me I was a thief when I was a little child because I took a cookie out of the cookie jar that she had told me I could not have. 
I just thought I was being disobedient. She went real far and called me a thief, y'all. But she was right. I knew I shouldn't have taken it, and I did it anyway. I was a kid, and I love chocolate chip cookies. Still, today, right now, and until the Lent season comes, unfortunately. However, I started sinning very early. The Bible says by nature, by very nature, I was deserving of wrath. I disobeyed God very early on. But here's the good news. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable richness of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works. You can't, you can't work it, right? You can't do enough good to deserve it or earn it, so you can't boast about it either. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. That helmet of salvation is all about this right here. Baby, I don't have to work it out. I don't, I'm, now, certainly, we should do good works, right? We shouldn't be striving to do evil. However, what keeps my head on straight, y'all, what keeps me fighting against the enemy's attacks is that I know I'm saved. That whatever happens down here, my soul is eternally secure. I've all, I'm already seated in heavenly places. Jesus Christ already did the work for me. If you don't have this in your mind, you will not be able to stand against the devil's schemes. I promise you, I tried it. It doesn't work, and I think I'm a pretty decent person. But it, thank you, right? Okay, Mom? I think I'm all right, but I'm not good enough. And guess what Satan tells me? That I'm not good enough. And if I believed him, and if I let that define me, I wouldn't be thinking about, oh, my salvation in Christ. I've already been paid for. Like God, when God looks at me, he sees Christ's blood. He sees righteousness. He sees goodness. Not because I could accomplish it on my own, because naturally I deserve wrath. But if I let Satan continue to tell me that I deserve wrath and I just continue to believe that, how am I going to be able to stand against him? I can't. Neither can you. So put on your helmet of salvation. One of the most familiar scriptures, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. For whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Let me tell you something. If the enemy can get you to condemn yourself, if he can convince you that you are condemned and doomed to hell already, you will not be able to stand against him. And some of you struggle with this real bad. 
You condemn yourself all the time. You make a mistake and you think you're a complete failure. Your whole life is messed up. You've been failing all your life. You don't deserve to be here. You might as well do something else to make sure that you don't stay here. All of that stuff. He is a liar and the father of lies. That is not what the word of God says. If you believe in Jesus, the word of God says that you are not condemned. And Jesus surely didn't condemn you. He didn't even come for that. And forgive us, those who have come in church doors and have felt condemnation placed on you by people who claim the name of Jesus. Forgive us. That is not what Jesus is like. That is not who he is. He is a judge, but he's a righteous judge. He looks at your heart. I don't know what's in your heart. I can't see it. But God knows what's in your heart. There is nobody in this world who can tell you that you are condemned if you are in Christ. If you are in Christ. If you are in Christ. Now, you ought to examine yourselves to determine whether or not you're in the faith. But if you are in Christ, my brother, my sister, whom I love, you are not condemned. And that should not be a lie that the enemy can tell you when you believe. Got to have on that helmet of salvation. You got to have it on. Got to have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. They would have these eight-foot spears back in the day when they were doing war. So you got to get up close to get somebody with a sword. And sometimes they'd have a smaller, like a short spear or a slashing sword, but you still gotta get close to use it. One thing about the word of God, it should be on your side at all times. We don't see this as a weapon, but it really is. This word of God protects us. The enemy cannot lie to you because we already got the playbook. How do I know that, this, that Satan is a liar and the father of lies? Lies, excuse me. It's in the book. How do I know that I'm not condemned? It's in the book. How do I know that the Holy Spirit lives in me? It's in the book. How do I know anything about God? I got a sword. You got to use it. Satan wants to kill you. Do you hear me? He does not want you here. If you have nothing to battle against him, you cannot stand against him. This gives you truth. This gives you something to fight with. This gives you something to say when he's talking that yin yang. I know that's kind of hood. I'm from the hood. But listen, when he goes talking out the side of his neck, when he goes to say things that are untrue, you can combat him. And this is not the only book. You can get education in different types of books. We have the internet. There are all kinds of folks talking about the Bible and talking about spiritual things that will enrich you and give you something to fight with. But this right here, number one tool that you have. And Satan is so, he's so crafty. I know when you open it up and you try to read, you try to do the Christian thing, you fall asleep. I know. Me too. So maybe you ought to switch up your time frames. 
Maybe you should read it in the morning when you're fresh or on your lunch break or some other time. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying this to make you feel like, oh, if you don't read the Bible, you're not a Christian. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is if you want to be able to stand against the devil's schemes, you better know how to fight them. You just got to know how to fight. You wouldn't allow yourself to go into a boxing ring with no training. You shouldn't be on the battlefield of the Lord without at least trying to read it. It's your number one tool. It's the sword that you have at your side. So when the enemy is coming at you, you got something to do. The Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. We saw an example with Jesus, the same thing I mentioned before. He had fasted for 40 days, 40 nights, coming out of the wilderness, y'all. And here's Satan trying to tempt him to do things that he had already said and submitted himself under God and decided not to do. When Satan tried to tempt him, every single time, and it was three times, he came back with the word of God. This is Jesus, the word of God made flesh. He used the book to combat Satan. And after three tries, guess what Satan did? He fleed. Just like Jesus could defeat Satan, so can you. So can you, my friend. But if you don't know the Bible, you are unequipped for battle. So get equipped. There are apps out there that will run you through the Bible even in a year. You need to know what it says so you have some defense. You need to be able to stand. You can't stand without the word of God. And y'all, I know people leave this one out, but I can't leave it out. Some people stop at the sword of the spirit when it comes to the armor of God. But that prayer, that prayer, that is such an essential tool, and you don't even have to put it on. Sometimes you don't even have to say a word because the Holy Spirit knows. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, verse 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. And then Paul puts on his his own request. Hey, pray for me too. Because I need to be able to fearlessly proclaim the word of God. You need to be praying when you cannot do anything else. You need to be asking God to keep you, to help you, to stand against the schemes of the devil. Because they're coming, y'all. And they're already here. And in a lot of ways, Satan is deceiving you right now with some foolishness. And maybe you don't know the word of God. Maybe you don't feel so righteous. Maybe your faith is a little bit shaky. Maybe it's rough to put on that full armor of God. That's a lot of stuff. But one thing you can always do, and you're encouraged to do it at all times, with all kinds of prayers and requests, There is never, ever a time in your life when you cannot pray. Even if you can't speak, there is never a time when you can't pray. Because I know y'all know how to think. I know you know how to do that. 
So even if you can't speak, even if physically you are restricted, the Holy Spirit even understands the groans. He knows what's in your heart. He sees you. He knows you. He made you. God knows you. And if you cannot do anything else to stand against the enemy's schemes, oh, you can pray. And you don't have to do it right. You don't have to always follow the formula. Now, a good formula to follow is the model prayer, right? The Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That one. Matthew 6. We're all familiar. That's a good model to follow. But I'm telling you, read John 17. Read John 17 and see how Jesus himself prays to his Father for his disciples, for us. I promise you, whatever you have to say, the Lord will listen to you. And you don't have to have been to seminary. You don't have to have the best education. You don't have to even have the tightest relationship with God. Maybe you don't even really know how much you believe him yet or whatnot. And maybe, again, doesn't matter where you are. Doesn't matter at what stage of development you're in in your journey with Christ. You can and you should pray. All kinds of prayers, all kinds of requests, nothing is off limits. Do you believe that? Nothing is off limits with God. Nothing. Everything that you're thinking about, he knows it already. Everything that you've done, he knows it already. So you don't even have to play that little game of trying to, you know, make it sound good. And maybe you're not being completely honest with God. I used to feel like that. Man, I grew up. Church folks will teach you some crazy stuff. I was taught growing up that you shouldn't bother God with certain things, and that is foolish. And that is deceptive. What makes you think that a God whose eyes are in every place, beholding both the evil and the good, needs you to filter anything for him? Are you serious? You don't need to filter your mouth with God. Now, y'all to be respectful, but let me just be, can I be honest? I have been very reckless with my mouth with God. I'm talking about telling him that he ain't doing stuff right, that he's wrong for making me go through this and this and that. I'm talking about I have gotten very audacious and low-key disrespectful. And guess what? God handled it. He didn't say, oh, uh uh-uh, you disrespected me. Don't ever talk to me again. That's not how he did me. He checked me. He did check me. Now, God is still a father. He don't play that. A good example is Job. If you read the book of Job, he got a little reckless with his mouth, too. So I'm in good company. Y'all may not get reckless, but we have, Job and I, have gotten a little reckless with our mouths. And God could handle that. And he will correct you like any good parent would. But I am telling you, my brother, my sister, you better suit up. You got the formula. You know what the armor is that you have access to. Use it. And if you can't do anything else, as, and this is as you're journeying and developing, don't condemn yourself if you don't, you know, if you don't really feel as righteous and all that. Still work on it, just like any new skill you develop. 
You go through training. You watch YouTube University. You figure it out. This should be a priority for you to suit up because we are in a war and you will not be able to stand against the schemes of the devil if you don't suit up and fight back. It's not gonna happen. These are not my words. This is not for me to say that you're not strong enough, even though I am saying you're not strong enough. I'm not either, but we have tools at our fingertips that we can use in this battle. And I promise you, take my word for it, God's ways are way better than ours. You cannot strategize well enough. You cannot plan well enough. God's ways are so much better. So rest yourselves. Give yourself a break. Don't keep trying to do it in your own strength. Save your energy. Do it God's way. Let him help you. He will. He wants to. He's ready. His arms are open. His arms are always open to his children. Maybe you're not in a relationship with God through Jesus. Maybe you don't really know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I may be talking nonsense to you. But maybe you're intrigued and you want to get to know this Jesus who we're talking about and I know being in the whole army conversation doesn't really sound too appealing. Because who wants to sign up to fight in a war? Doesn't sound fun. I know. But it is literally life-saving. There is a life that exists after this one. And if you do not know Jesus... Eternal separation from him is what you can expect. And if you do know him, then eternal life with him is what you can expect. But you get to choose. And if you want to choose to give Jesus your heart, you have an opportunity to do that. One of the great things about having heard what you just had a chance to experience is that your faith has gotten stronger. There's no way that you could have heard this message and your faith has not been increased. But where do we go? How do we move from faith to faith? The Bible is very clear that if you have not really made the greatest decision of your life, which is to become a Christian, you've really missed the great joy of the journey. So wherever you are, if you would like to have a personal relationship with Christ, do what the scripture says. Call upon the name of the Lord and you can be saved. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I receive you now as my Savior and as my Lord. I'm trusting you and only you to direct my life. In Jesus' name. Congratulations, wherever you are, that means that you have become a believer. For those of you that are already believers, your faith is now stronger. Don't be merely a hearer. 
but be a doer and let's change the world. If you just prayed that prayer, you have an opportunity to reach out to us and we would be honored to serve you and help you in your journey. Uh, please contact us at area code 313-871-FORT or please visit us on our website, citadeloffaith.org. That's simply spelled C-I-T-A-D-E-L of faith. Dot org, all one word. We would love to hear your testimonies. We would love to hear your prayer requests. Know that you're in a partnership with us and you're not in the journey alone. Let's change the world together, one person at a time. <laughs>